Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Crossview. I'm so glad you could be here to worship with us today. Last Sunday, Pastor Kyle kicked off our message series called Summer Psalms by looking at the first and second psalms in the Bible. And today we're continuing that series. We're going to explore a particular kind of psalm today. The psalms can be roughly broken down into two types, psalms of praise and psalms of lament. And today we're going to take a look uh, at psalms of lament and we'll specifically be in Psalm 13. Psalms of lament are the sad ones. They are the songs that flow from a place of, of sorrow, of anguish, grief, frustration, anger, and sometimes despair. We sometimes kind of gloss over these psalms because uh, we feel uncomfortable with their rawness and with the, the depth of pain that they display. Unlike psalms of praise, they are rarely adapted for modern worship choruses today. But psalms of lament are important because they give us a clear language for honesty and trust with God. Lament is a way for us to be intentionally vulnerable, and by that I mean open and trusting with our Father, who already knows our deepest thoughts and doubts and fears and pain. There are many poems of lament in the book of Psalms. Uh, some of them uh, speak of problems that the psalmist is experiencing, some personal pain or suffering, and others speak of problems in the community, in the, the larger uh, world, problems of widespread pain or suffering. But they all speak of problems, of something uh, that's gone wrong. Walter Brueggemann is, uh, was an Old Testament scholar and he calls these psalms of disorientation. The writer or the prayer of a psalm of lament is experiencing disorientation. Things are not right. There's chaos and disorder, and they can't figure out which way is up, and they certainly can't figure out which way is out. Have you ever felt this way? Disorientation is a kind of a sense that we're being pulled, maybe even forced, in the wrong direction, and we don't know how to get back on track. We don't know how to make things right. We can feel this way when we have experienced grief, abuse, broken relationships, loss, helplessness, when we're overwhelmed with responsibility, when we face financial or physical hardship and in so many other situations. When life hurts and feels out of control, uh, we experience disorientation. Psalm 13 was written by David and he was feeling pretty disoriented at the time of this writing. He had been anointed to be king years earlier, but had not yet been crowned. In fact, uh, he was running from cave to cave, hiding from King Saul, who was trying to kill him. So here David has a promise from God that he is to be king, but there's another king already on the throne, and that king is trying to kill David. Pretty disorienting, I would imagine. Let's read Psalm 13 together. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? 
Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes, or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. There's a pattern to this psalm, and we find uh, the same pattern in other psalms of lament as well. First, a complaint, then a request for help, and finally, a resolution. In other words, a problem, a petition, and a praise. In his despair and frustration, David turns to God. But he didn't begin his prayer with a request for help, and he didn't begin his prayer with words of praise or adoration. He began his prayer with a cry. David brought his complaint to God. And this is really a, a very important aspect of lament. Here and in other Psalms of lament, the writers pour their hearts out before God, bringing him their complaints, their frustration about the problems that they face. Sometimes they complain to God about the problem uh, itself, and then sometimes they complain to God about God, about their perception, their, their frustration with their perception of the way that God is handling the problem. But in the Bible, lament consistently involves expressing frustration, complaining to God. Sometimes, as here in Psalm 13, it even involves questioning God. Maybe this sounds strange to you. Maybe it's a little uncomfortable. After all, aren't we supposed to respect God to approach him with reverence and humility? Aren't we supposed to submit to his will no matter what trials may come? How in the world can the psalmist justify complaining to God and questioning God? And why are these things included in scripture? Well, remember that the psalms are essentially a prayer book. They teach us how to pray and they give us a, a concrete language for doing so. The Psalms of Lament teach us how to pray just as much as the Psalms of Praise do. And what they teach us is that this way of approaching God with raw emotion and in a state of disorientation is completely appropriate. Lament is an appropriate way to relate to God. Last week, Pastor Kyle said that the book of Psalms is about humanity's ability to hope and trust in God. And I'll add that the Psalms of Lament are about our ability to hope and trust in God specifically in times of pain and suffering. Lament as it is found in scripture teaches us that nothing is off limits in our prayers. There's no topic too gritty, too painful, or too emotional for God. Lament recognizes that every aspect of our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, falls within the realm of God's loving sovereignty. Sometimes the idea of, of complaining to God feels uncomfortable or even wrong because we have been conditioned to be polite. Since before we could even talk, we've been taught to be polite, to show deference to others, especially to those in authority, uh, and to avoid offending others. 
I'm from the Midwestern United States where politeness is a strong cultural value. So intentionally saying or doing anything that might offend another person is really uncomfortable for me. Maybe you have a similar cultural upbringing. And showing respect and showing courtesy to others is very important, don't get me wrong there. But prayer is not a matter of polite conversation. Prayer is not bumping into God at the grocery store and exchanging pleasantries. Prayer is a means of communion with God. God is not offended by our pain. Remember that, that Jesus always moves towards suffering and not away from it. Psalm 51, another psalm of David, says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. Here David is actually offering his broken heart to God as a sacrifice, as an act of worship. The psalms teach us that lament is an act of worship. We don't have to be afraid that God will reject us for crying out to him with the rawness of pain. God will not reject us in our brokenness. In fact, Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. In the book of Genesis, we find a story of Hagar. Hagar was an Egyptian slave who worked in the household of Abram, who we know better as Abraham. Hagar was horribly mistreated. She was enslaved, and in that enslavement, she was given to Abram for the purpose of bearing a child for him, which she did. The story tells us that Hagar was uh, pregnant with Abram's child and that Abram's wife became so jealous that she began to abuse Hagar uh, viciously, so much so that Hagar fled for her life into the wilderness. And there in the wilderness, Hagar encountered an angel of the Lord who said to her, the Lord has heard your cry of distress. And in Genesis 16, verse 13, we learn that thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Hagar gave God a name and she was the first person uh, recorded in the Bible as doing so. She named God El Roy, which means the God who sees. From a social standpoint, Hagar was in the lowest of positions. She was a female slave. She was oppressed, used, abused, mistreated. She was desperate and on the run, much like David when he wrote Psalm 13. And in that place of desperation, she encountered God because he saw her. Lament teaches us that God sees us. In Psalm 13, David moves from complaint to petition. After asking God over and over again, how long? He then says, turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. After pouring out his pain before God, David then makes a request. He asks God for help. He petitions God to, to intervene, to redeem, to rescue, and to heal. In Psalms of Lament, 
The petition sometimes sounds like a plea for mercy, and it sometimes sounds like a demand for justice. Ultimately, the petition is a confession of trust. It's saying, this hurts. I'm sad, I'm disappointed, I'm angry. And still I say, my hope is in you. Petition recognizes that all hope of healing, of, of mercy and justice is in God. It's our request, sometimes our cry for God to do something. And it's also our confession of faith, acknowledging that we believe that he can and will do something. In lament, the complaint says, God, this hurts. The petition says, God, do something. And then finally, the praise says, God, you are good. Listen to the final words of Psalm 13. But I trust in your unfailing love. I rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord, for he is good to me. Remember what Pastor Kyle told us last week about the book of Psalms, how, how each of the five sections ends with an exclamation of praise. And then the entire book ends in the same way with each of the final five chapters, beginning with an exclamation of hallelujah or praise the Lord. This Psalm of Lament, Psalm 13, follows the same pattern, ending with a proclamation of praise. The Psalms highlight over and over again that at the end of the day, no matter what, God is good and worthy to be praised. There's some significant wording here in the, the praise of Psalm 13. David says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. Nothing has changed in David's circumstances. He's still in a cave, hiding from the king who wants to kill him. He's still uh, living in desperation. But he says, I will rejoice because you have rescued me. David trusts that God's will has already been determined. He's rejoicing in God's salvation, even though he has not yet seen it. He recognizes God's goodness, even in desperation and, uh, and in danger. David is choosing praise, even in pain. If lament is the language of disorientation, then praise is the language of reorientation. Lament and praise work together. They're both together the language of prayer. David was disoriented by his suffering, and he chose to praise God as an intentional act of reorienting himself. I love how Pastor Kyle has said this. He said, David chooses to interpret his circumstances by God's love rather than to interpret God's love by his circumstances. God's goodness and love are not determined by our circumstances, nor are they determined by, by how we feel about our circumstances. God knows our hearts. He sees us in our distress. He moves toward our suffering. And we can and should talk to him freely about these things. His nature is one of mercy and justice, and he responds to our pain with a heart of love and goodness. He wants us to have hope, and the truth is that that hope comes only from him. He will not reject us in our time of need. He will not reject our broken spirits. Many of the Psalms of lament take us to a place of dust. Psalm 44:25 says, we are brought down to the dust. 
our bodies cling to the ground. If you've been participating in our Bible reading plan this last week, uh, then you've read uh, devotionals from a book called Open and Unafraid, which explores uh, different themes in the Psalms. In that book, the author, W. David O. Taylor, says, Within the context of the Psalms, the dust represents the opposite of voluntary worship. It is a place of misery and exhaustion. It is a place for the depressed. The dust is as low as it gets for living beings. The dust is where Hagar was, a desert, a barren wilderness. Maybe you've been there too. Maybe you're there now, but there is good news. God makes beautiful things out of dust. In the creation story in Genesis, we see that God took the dust of the earth, breathed his own life into it, and created what he himself called very good, life in his own image. Are you living in the dust, in deep loneliness, or depression, or pain that feels too great to bear? Hear this. God takes that which is barren and dry and dead and he breathes his own life into it, creating something very good from dust. If dust is part of your story, let me encourage you to make lament part of your language. Drop any pretense of, of positivity and worship God through lament. It may feel uncomfortable at first, even scary, but he sees you, he hears you, and he loves you. He will not reject you. God will not reject you. He loves you, he welcomes you, and he embraces you. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this amazing gift that you have given us through, uh, through the Psalms, this language that you have provided for us to, to uh, be in communion with you, the language of praise and the language of lament. We're so grateful that in your loving kindness, you welcome our lament as much as our praise, that you, you welcome our deepest thoughts and fears, that, that, that you can handle that, that that does not offend you. Thank you, Lord, for, uh, for caring for us in our time of need, in our sorrow and in our pain. Thank you for not turning away from us in those moments, but for, 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 for drawing near to us when we are brokenhearted. Lord, I pray for those this morning who are, are, are hearing these words of lament and who can relate to them because they themselves are living perhaps in the dust right now. Lord, I pray that, that your spirit would, uh, would touch their hearts and would comfort them uh, and would free them, Lord, to bring these needs to you, these complaints, without a sense of guilt or shame, but just a, a realization that you love them so much and that as their loving Father, you welcome uh, every emotion, every thought, every need. We love you, Lord. We thank you for, uh, for the Psalms and for what you are teaching us through them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.